Well, uh, good evening, good afternoon, rather. We're in uh, we're in uh, a very dry Paris at the moment. It's uh, it's ten to two in the afternoon. We've been here about uh, two and a half hours now, Andrew and I, and uh, we're sitting in the car, dopping beers because Andrew has locked us out the apartment. <laughs> so we're waiting for a locksmith before we can go on and That's join. That's not them. really the full story. The full story is. <laughs> Alma and his friend got lost, and I was trying to help out. So I said to Alma, have you got the key? He said yes. I thought he meant for the apartment. He was talking about the car. So we left, and now we can't get back in. So we're sitting inside Fiat 500, like two elephants in a bathtub, but we have beer, and and we're waiting for the... And the worst, worst case scenario, uh, Angie, I have the match day. I have the match tickets in my pocket yeah. here, so we can uh, we can make it to the stadium and sleep in this car this evening. Yeah, so. Exactly. And just picture this: I'm wearing flops. We're both wearing shorts. <laughs> no one else. I've, I haven't seen anyone else in shorts, and certainly not in flops. So we we look dodgy. <laughs> Um, so welcome to the ONE Rugby Podcast. It's um, Saturday evening, uh, just gone midnight. Uh, blimey, we're in the Andrew and I are in the Stade de France at the moment, and it's it's hard to take in what we're seeing here. The Springboks have just done a lap of honour, and. And they've won the flipping World Cup again for the fourth time by, and as, as Andrew's just pointed out to me, by one point. Eh? Yeah, and it's raining cats and dogs here. And fuck, can we believe it? We just did it again. We've won 50% of the World Cups. We must be the best World Cup side. Uh, yeah, wait longer. The guy's trying to chase us out, but he's going to have to wait. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you haven't stopped crying for the last 15 minutes. Whoa, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Throw us out. <laughs> and um, <laughs> Throw us out. We don't, we don't go. And, uh, thank you. And, um, yeah, so the officials are really trying to hustle us out. Here, but yeah. We're going nowhere. We're standing here. Rossi! 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 I mean, I can't believe what I just witnessed. But how good were New Zealand? Oh my gosh! They were brilliant. Let, let's just say they were fourteen men in that whole second half. They were in this they were in, top. In control. Saved our lives. So we're off to celebrate, but uh, we hang we hang on there, Angie, and uh, so, I, I, one of the best days of my life. I never thought I'd see something like this where we we win a World Cup. Great. <laughs> <laughs> well, good evening and welcome to the A&E Rugby Podcast with Andrew. Hello. And myself, Elmer. And it's normally at this point, Andrew, that I'd ask you what you've been up to, but I think uh, ourselves and the listeners can hear what we've been up to there with the introductions. And, yeah, a brilliant weekend. A brilliant weekend. <laughs> well, just some some names, some words immediately come to mind that, uh, after the game, and it's uh, resilience, um, uh, doggedness, and um, defiance. And they were all demonstrated by us, though. <laughs> 
with a tide of officials trying to usher us out. But we stood, we stood our ground. Yeah, Rassi would have been, we'd have been proud. We, we got threatened by big guys, small guys, women, women, <laughs> something I didn't know quite what it was, and we stood solid. Hold on to us. <laughs> Eventually they gave up. That was the funny part. Sure, what a shift we put in. It's not quite Peter Steph the toy, but we yeah. <laughs> was out there. Andrew, what a weekend. Uh. Well, well, I don't know. Um, you probably felt what it was like to be hit by Peter Steph the toy when you got hit by a car, a taxi. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, well, apart from uh, what, what you've just heard and the rain, rain and more rain and more rain, gosh, we, we, were, we had riots. <laughs> Proper Palestinian rights in the, in the town, heavy rain, <laughs> there was tequila flowing. Locked ourselves Lock, out of the locksmith. I got hit by a car. <laughs> <laughs> that was before we got to the game. <laughs> God, At one stage, I started to panic. <laughs> Maybe we put it in, in perspective in, in terms of the timeline, then, you know, locking ourselves out, then going to go meet your friend in Paris. Um, oh, you got hit by a taxi before that, didn't you? The guy, the guy just reversed into you. <coughs> in Paris, that, I didn't expect that. We were on our way down to the fan zone, mm. and we walk into the middle of a, a Palestinian, what was it? A, not a riot. It was like a, a gathering, but there were thousands of people. There were hundreds of cops. Uh, armed police everywhere. Closed everywhere. Often, yeah, uh, yeah. Shut. So we, we went past on the tube, past our stop, and then we get out and we walk into that. And uh, we were with a couple of friends who we were like, well, we, we, need to, we need to plan better to get to the stadium now. Alma and I just put the anchor down. And we were like, right, we, we need to move to the to the stadium. And it was absolutely tipping it down with the rain. We, we said, look, let's just get out the rain quickly. Let's hit the first ball we see. It was a nice, it was a nice long street. We dived into a bar, and it was very dark, full of Slipknot fans and uh, yeah. Blake Smith. Uh, the, the song that I heard when we walked in, they go something like this, Rape your mother, you your dog! Fucking run up, get Hey, it was something like that. It was fucking <laughs> However, we stayed, we have our dog, while everybody stared at us. <laughs> we were the odd ones out. Yeah. Then we left, and, and lo and behold. No, before we left, before we oh. left, I go to the bar, and I, I get us drinks, and Alma has a, has a pint of beer, and I'm, I'm thinking quite, I've got two tequilas, and I think I'll sneakily just slip one into his, well, it was half a tequila into his beer. <laughs> and then he says to me, wow, this beer's tasting funny. <laughs> and then the sneaky bastard goes and throws it on the floor, thinking I didn't see. So that that was Alma's kind of platform. And again, this is before Father Chris, but what was Father? Yeah, it's quite I spent 110 euros on getting that locksmith in there to let me back into apartment. Then he opened with a piece of wax paper. He didn't even he didn't even use a like any kind of tool to to get in there. So after that experience, we we were a bit nervous that the train was going to break down. We were oh, going to die in the in the subway. And then after we'd left the uh, the Slipknot fan club, Parisian fan club, <laughs> just two doors away was a huge rugby pub with all the flags out and every and every fan. And we think, what the? F <laughs> this is yeah, something up Irish today. Bar. It's like an O'Hagan's <laughs> or a Kellan's. Oh, gosh. So Andrew, well, I mean, gosh. What an in and out job we did, but um, in terms of the game itself and the result and the weekend to an extent, it, it, it still seems a bit surreal to me. But has it sunk in yet, or is it stopped? Well, it's, it's like I said a couple of times to people that congratulated me today. I actually lived a dream. Mm. Like, that was my dream. I'd never been to a finals World Cup game oh. before that. I went to the England game, then I went to this one. But like I've always dreamt of being part of a World Cup final, so that happened. 
I mean, besides having kids, I, I don't think there's anything I could have actually asked for that's better. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of we love this game, and that was the pinnacle for it us. The, pinnacle, the fact it? that we won um, put 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 the cherry on the ear, and everything around it probably makes it even sweeter for me. You um, <laughs> went through all the emotions. Well, we all did, to be fair. No. I may have displayed no, no. them more, but uh, <laughs> I think we... So this we, is Mr. Psychologist, so, but I'll, I'm, I'm going to hold back on that one for a little bit, because I think that's the creme de la creme of this podcast. When I give my full... So it's a pity I haven't been drinking, because then I'd be able to do a Shakespearean impression of that evening. And boy, was it good. Okay. So, well, well, let's get towards the game, then. Let's, let's get into this. Eh? Um, so, we, uh, we're at the stadium good, at least two hours before kickoff, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, one thing, I mean, there was, it was a great vibe, lots of people out, but one thing that definitely just took the edge off it was the heavy, heavy rain. Yeah. I, I don't There's know no how you cover. feel about that. There's, there was There's no zero cover. cover there, unless you go through to the stadium yeah. itself. So many bars outside and, and mm. what have you. So, we're buying our drinks, lots of music, and people are making the best of it, but it just slightly takes the edge off things. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's getting soaked. So you're in such a good mood, but you're uncomfortable. Yeah. So you, 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 and twelve euros for a pint. It's so. Uh, you know. <laughs> I know it was inc- especially when the guy you buy the. So I, I don't drink beer, and I bought three, two mm. for Alma. Then I couldn't find him because he decided he needed a rest and went and sat down. In the rain. So eventually, <laughs> I threw two of them away and went inside. <laughs> so that that forced really, and uh, we met uh, a friend called DJ. Um, we went into the, the stadium early on mm. uh, nice seat and um, we're just talking about the emotion of the occasion and um, it's almost a fantasy of all of ours isn't it the Springbok yeah. supporters yeah. let alone players players but as supporters it's a fantasy to to watch them in a World Cup against the All Blacks and you you're there in attendance yeah. so. I couldn't really get my head around it at first no and to be honest with the rain and everything I, I it didn't really hit me until I walked up the steps with Steej who I entered the stadium with into the steps saw the so people singing, the players training, and then it hit me. And I, for a, it wouldn't be the last time that night. For a good four or five minutes, <laughs> I was pretty choked up and uh, a bit watery eyed, and just. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I was enjoying standing there because I, I went in a bit before you because I I couldn't find you, and um, so I was, I was in our seats and uh, I was watching. And truth God, Rassi standing on the halfway line, eyeballing the, the New Kiwis. Zealand players. <laughs> so he was trying Jedi mind tricks with him right from the start. Which is something they've actually complained about since. Um, can you believe it? Grown men getting intimidated by a you fifty-year-old know, coach. Mm. <laughs> the things he does. But nice build-up to to the kickoff itself. Yeah. They didn't go. It wasn't one of those like a opening Olympic ceremony and stuff. No. Lots of nice lights. They gave you a wristband, which did what all, was sorts that of, for? all sorts of pretty colours. It's it, oh, is that what know, it was? So I the stadium turned red or green, or and that was all our wristbands. Oh, I didn't even notice. Yeah. And the pocket of supporters we were around was uh, very nice. So yeah, you were yeah. you were sitting by a very attractive girl from Bordeaux, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, they travelled up on her own. I know it's such an interesting story. I said to her, oh, you know, were you expecting France to reach the final? She said, "Well, I was, but I only, I only got this ticket this week. I really wanted the ticket." So she might. She's young. Right? I mean, she could only have been like twenty three, twenty five. Mm. So she had made it. Uh, she had, she had come up, like you say, from Bordeaux, sourced her ticket, paid a lot of money for it, and came and watched it. And I was going to give her a reverse chicken wing elbow because <laughs> she, was, she was supporting the Kiwis. <laughs> <laughs> 
up, but I thought better of it. And she, she was really good fun. And, and um, yeah, we had a couple of French behind her. They were trying to chatter up the two guys that were so hammered. One had gone there in the wrong shirt, and he got the wrong game, but he, you know, he was enjoying himself and kept on shouting Le Beau. Well, that, that was a big thing, though, the, the amount of French, French support that were mm. in there. Mm. And that's a topic of discussion. Yeah, we'll get on to that, because it's uh, a lot of it's negative uh, from our point of view. I, yeah. And quite, I was quite surprised. Uh, another another contingency we came across quite a bit was the amount of Irish in in the stadium. And mm. uh, beforehand, having a draw, he'd bought package tickets and stuck around, and they were they were on good form. Uh, yeah, good I company. tell you, only only the way Irish can do that. <laughs> I probably would have had a punch up because <laughs> everyone. I mean, we were winding uh, them up when we were singing Rossi. They were joining us. Yeah, yeah, oh. they were singing with us. Like they were like uh, that doesn't wind us up, guys, and they were like singing it louder than we were. Uh, yeah, they, they were having a great time and they, they were good fun, which was good to see because there was a bit of a fallout after they lost and there was a bit of negativity. But, you know, in true kind of rugby, Irish mm. fashion, they were really good fun. And ridiculous numbers of Springbok supporters all around. Yeah, we, all dominated. Around the stadium. we dominated. We um, dominated. Didn't actually hardly spot. I think I spoke to one Kiwi all evening, which was quite. I, I, I spoke to a couple, but I made the comment to you. At the England game, um, England quietened us down. The, the, and, and there was a lot of South Africans in there. But the South African fans in the final were so much more vocal and so much mm. better. And they, they swept me up. And mm. at times I kind of forgot, I was so engrossed in what was going on and trying to find you. And then, you know, <laughs> the game was happening. Yeah. So I, I was really impressed with the, the South African fans really dug deep and they mm. were really the extra yeah. man. 100%. And that's something similar that struck all of us sitting there as well. Okay, so the anthems are done. The... Uh, God, the nerves are properly kicking in. Um, mm. completely sober, even after your tequila you gave me. Uh, and I think Four tequilas. <laughs> um, <laughs> by that stage. So. And we're, we're absolutely praying for the first time in God knows how long, yonks and yonks, that we get a false start and we, we exert pressure and territory on them. And that's pretty much what panned out for the first few minutes from what I saw. Great rush defense. Yeah. Some huge hits early on from Evan, from yeah, Evan Khaleesi, and Peter Barrett, didn't he? Gosh, yeah. So, and pinning them back, back, and, 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 and something that I didn't notice until I rewatched this when we returned to here last night was, um, New Zealand doing in the first two or three minutes, but certainly doing it for the first 15 or so minutes, doing something we spotted them doing at Twickenham and the first game against France, which was not kicking out their own 22 or uh, not, not, not playing test match rugby. They're trying to pass their way out and put width on the ball and mm. and it was really backfiring on them with our rusty fronts. Yeah, and I, I mean, um, then then the injury to Bongi happened, but like you say, we, we had them pinned back um, for the first sort of seven or eight minutes and we got a, a couple of penal, uh, penalties from it, which, I mean, it, it was like the foundation for everything to come because we knew, I mean, we had spoken about this on the journey down there, if we get ahead, it's going to be very difficult to chase yeah. us down. In the yeah. history of yeah. World Cup finals. Mm. Nobody has ever gone ahead um, at half time that and lost. There's another stat for you. Um, 
So we knew how important it was. And the crowd was going well. And the guys weren't giving them an inch. And like you say, I, I think originally they didn't want to get into lineouts with us. So they kicked the ball deep. And either we ran it back up and under it went back. But there was a stranglehold with them. That's what it felt Into like. their 22. And the intensity of the tackling was just, it, yeah. it matched the rush defense. You could, I heard a couple of the hits in that stadium. And there was a lot of, hey, there was, or actually maybe it was when I watched the um, game afterwards. The next day, but the hits were the hits were big and solid. Yeah, just on that, without um, talking too much in detail, there was such a disparity with watching it live and watching it the following oh, day. In terms different. of, we did see some huge hits in person, but we saw even more on the. Well, I, I don't know about you, yep. saw even more harder ones and relevant hits yeah. that were stopping a clear break from from somebody. Yeah, I mean, there were there were some so, some of the tackles that really impressed me. Um, you know, Eben, he put in some big hits. <laughs> His 50 minutes was um, astronomical. And uh, Peter Steph de Toy, I saw making the tackle. I only realized the next day how many tackles mm. he had put in and the shift that he we put both in. both didn't realize. And, and it's not about him just making a tackle. He was putting in hits. You know, he, he was putting in big hits on people. Well, we go back to the word relevant as well. It's mm. all right putting in the hits and the tackles. And yeah. 20, was it 28 of them? 28. But, but it's, it's, they were, a lot of those were key hits, especially on Barrett. Yeah. Uh, he's such a game changer. And Mwanga. I mean, oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I think for me, the tackle of the game, um, in my view, was. Uh, Sam Kane? No. <laughs> sorry, that's a bit naughty of me. Sorry, sorry. Carry on. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Curtly on Rico. Oh, I mean, we've watched him at sevens. We've watched him time and time again. Any other team, he'll put he's it in up. the corner. 75 kg, Curtly, hunting him down. Maybe he got the hat ball in the wrong hand because he lost it. Colby working across from the other wing. He also came sliding in behind. So there was a little bit of cover, but both of those guys. Uh, just um, on that as well, Colby, didn't he show up defensively and offensively? Gosh, he put in some else. had someone airborne at one point. <laughs> yeah, I think he had Will Jordan. He was spinning him around like a like one of those um, pom-pom dances that you get in America. There's like gymnastics. Anyway, um, he, he put in a shift and uh, I was very relieved for him. It was for his birthday. He got a yellow card from the ref. Last call. And At least it's a call uh, for you, but he, he, I tell you what, those last 10 minutes must have been some of the longest of his life. I don't think he watched one second. He didn't. He, 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 so the commentator said, I've been watching him, and he hasn't taken his head out of the shirt. Yeah, because when I was in the stadium, they, the French as they do, mm -hmm. I remember them doing it to Peter Steff last year, more so. They mm -hmm. kept panning in on Colby mm -hmm. at breakdown in place, and he had his head in his hands constantly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, if we go back to tackling now, let's go three minutes in. And what I saw in the stadium, uh, well, the tackle on Bongi, they replayed it. I was only face focusing on. Uh, a, you a, mean Sam Kane? The, you got no, no, first. three minutes in. Bongi. Oh, Bongi. So I was only, what I could see on the screen was a, maybe a high shot. It wasn't until, no. I know, but that's just from my perspective. Uh, okay. It wasn't until the following day when I read a couple of reports and then watched it live, watched it on the TV that I realized it was kind of one of these recklessly, maybe accidental, but a judo roll. It, it was, so he, he got the yellow card for a neck roll. So we, we were sitting there saying neck roll, neck roll. Outlawed years, a few the, years ago. The, Yeah. But, but in his defense, he, Frizzell, did try the croc roll it slipped up he grabbed bongi around the head i think mm. then he because of bongi's nicely newly shaved pip his arm slipped off and he fell backwards onto bongi's leg which caused the the injury however i mean um i'm not saying this is deliberate at all I, i'm not i'm not no, i'm not deliberate. but what i am saying is it's quite a good trade-off isn't it 
for the Kiwis. Okay, I'll spend 10 minutes in the bun, three minutes in, and the Springboks' only hooker is off now oh. for the whole game. Oh. I mean, that's. I think they'd have taken that before the game, wouldn't they? If, you know. Yeah, I would. I would as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it's deliberate. No, no, I don't are. believe it. I don't no, believe it. It, was. it, it wasn't deliberate. I mean, you could see all like the you, you know the mechanics of a body in motion and all those types of things. It was a yellow card in my view. I think they got it right. Uh, they did look at it a few times. People in agreement. I don't even. I I could see the Kiwis around us. They were nervous. So. Generally, I, I think it's a good call. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And um, we'll mention this again, but I just, I just don't like calls, and I hate red calls. And uh, mm. we, we went, we all went on a rant later on in the game about this. We just punish the players after the game. Mm. Uh, yeah, I did. What, what, so. During, what, what I enjoyed was at half time um, we kind of walked down we're having a chat and uh, we're just kind of people in the queues and none of the South Africans that I spoke to said that that should have or they wished it wasn't a raid people didn't want that to be the reason that that we beat them and boy did that galvanize the kiwi well yeah we'll, we'll lead up do, to that do you do you know yeah. that the last point was scored <clears throat> two minutes before the end of sam kane's yellow card which meant mm. that they never conceded one point against mm. us in the entire time they played with 14 mm. men okay. you do know that i do know that. how do you know that uh -huh. i thought that was like brilliant insight from me it is good insight oh. you know <laughs> 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 yes, I did know that. Sorry, sorry, Angie. Okay, so um, I mean, I can remember my feelings as um, as Dion came on, and I wasn't that worried. My concern was not for the here and now. My concern was for late in the mm. game, just uh, his age, consistency, fatigue coming in, and I think he, he held on well. I mean, he, did you know he finished the game as captain? Yes, but. And I think he clearly was fading a bit. I mean, the scrum didn't have the bomb squad didn't have the impact. It well, well I, does, I don't. I don't think that was because of him fading. He's a 95 kg hooker. Bongi's 112, Mark's 115, 16 kilograms. Mm. And it showed you the value of those scrummaging much. It's, you know, it's, it's almost 20 kgs between him and Mark's. Oh, in fact, it probably is. So he came in. The props then, there was always parity in the scrums. I don't think there was, in the last scrum, we were under a bit of pressure. But I, I think it shows you the value of a good, sizable scrum. I think when I watched um, the game on replay, Dion Faree actually had a much better game than I realized and he was he was really in the thick of it and he was very good with the ref I think he's got a nice demeanor when dealing with the ref so that would be an age thing maturity thing no doubt experience oh. thing but yeah I agree he'll have a Brunners and Coke waiting for him. a few of them no doubt yeah. <laughs> so uh so Pollard takes the kick afterwards three up we um it was never in doubt that kick it went straight through the middle if you remember <laughs> Via the yeah, left hand post, <laughs> and um, and then we we go up six six up. They 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 get one back, and then I think we go nine three up before the actual red mm -hmm. card. Sam Kane, um, yeah, everything I saw in the flesh, <coughs> it was a yellow card. Yeah. When I saw it on the screen, I thought that's looking like a red card to me and it was eventually given a red card and i could just remember going into a rant to those around me going not in a flipping world cup final and as despite this giving us advantage i didn't want it like this and yes 
and I've watched it since, and it's a red card to the law. Yeah, do, yeah. Do, you, do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. But, to, to the law. But, to the law. But, but you start thinking, why, why aren't they punishing players or teams after the event? Fines, whatever, lengthy bans. You've got Kiwis and South Africans paying a lot of money mm. here, and not to mention flying literally from the other side of the world. Yep. And we get to a stage in the second half where both captains are off the field for cards. And uh, I'm not saying ban yellow cards. Maybe there is a, probably yeah, is a space for yellow yes. cards, because it, it is costly, isn't it? Ten minutes, well, but it's a, not fatal. A, a red card is for dangerous or malicious play. Well, it used to be. It used to be just well, malicious play. Well, well this, is, this is where I'm going. But it's not now. Mm, but it should be. I know they're trying to change behaviours, and I fully support yeah. that. But these don't ruin the spectacle. Exactly. Punish the player. Exactly. 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 Oh, but did you know that? Exactly. <laughs> well, that you thought like that. <laughs> Probably not because I was ranting too much to listen to anybody. <laughs> and then tell everybody what happened. Um, he got a red card, and um, <laughs> and the French fans were doing and uh, <laughs> and yeah. And what I did notice, but not uh, not live. It was only when I watched it yesterday that the Kiwis started playing differently. This started being tighter, slicker, mm. more on point. That playing out of their own twenty, that gone right until the end when they had to. But oh my gosh, were they on point? <laughs> For the rest of the game, right? what an effort from fourteen men, and they'd raise their game. And um, as we thought, that, as we not thought, as we knew they would. Yeah, I mean credit to them. They they did. They played really well. Fourteen men, um, but as well as they attacked, we defended. And oh, both incredible. teams, both teams, playing to their strengths in a way. As looking for quick turnover. Carry on, Angie. It's fallen off my stool. You just broke the chair. <laughs> Gosh, I have had an indulgent weekend. Though. <laughs> We didn't talk about the food we consumed, did we? Yeah, I didn't mention that. It was all carbs. Anyway, um, the, the Kiwis did, they, and, and they tested, they tested us, but like I said, I, uh, I was really impressed with, with the defence. And the more I watched um, in the stadium, and on the TV, I was never ever as worried as I was against in the England game, and that I think was because we always mm, had the scoreboard. The lead, yeah. that, that made a, a big difference. Yeah, and yeah. they're always chasing. Absolutely. One thing I was aware of uh, watching it live and watching it again on TV was the rush defence, the tempo, the commitment mm. to tackles. Ah, oh, that was from the very get-go, mm. all the way, to, all the way to that final scrum. You, you, you recall you were worried about fatigue. And all of that, I called it extremely worried about yeah. fatigue. It, it didn't mean, that, appear that to be a factor. There was a theme. It was a theme of the oh. of the week on a like by a lot of pundits. I, I always took the different view of. I thought they were going to be battle hardened and ready for this. New Zealand came into the game. They had confidence. They had continuity. They were picking the same team. Um, they had devised a game plan over a few months now. That started working for them after the French game. They had momentum, and South Africa had scraped through the quarters one point scraped through the semis that was a tough game one point and then for me they just were not willing to give that cup up and that was the common theme for the world cup for the springboks wasn't it especially the yeah. knockout rugby Be because in my view we probably didn't have the best team if you look at quality of players all across the park i think the sum of our parts is better than a group of individuals you think so yeah yeah and i'll, I'll explain i'll explain uh, and and the the difference is that you were not going to pry that cup out of our hands because the team realized they weren't letting themselves down. Mm -hmm. They were 
extinguishing the small flame of hope that burns in South Africa. And boy, they threw petrol on it at the end. But that's what they fought for because what they showed in those three games, and especially England and New Zealand, was a sheer, it, it's mental more than physical, if you ask me. So it's, you won't be broken. Well, when you visit dark places, that's not a physical thing. That's that's all mental, isn't it? Mm. It's called, it, people refer to it as a wall, don't they? Now the sports mm. or single. I think I was more proud of that than if they had scored by 30 points and won okay. by 30 points. I'm, uh, I think because of that mental fortitude that they are more than the sum of their parts, but only because of that. But I think uh, take away that mental fortitude, they're as good as anybody else in the World Cup. Uh, man for man, that's what I think. Mm. And if you slightly disagree, I'll show you the rest of the squad and say our squad is better than anybody's. Yeah, squad, I, th uh, I think that... In terms of talent. I think depth, that, uh, because like we said, you can start any of the 23. But I think if I look at that starting French side, um, you know, if you can put it... They, for me, to a man, were probably... Are probably... Okay, let's put it another way. You look at this world selection of teams over the last year. You've got one player in there. That kind of is the point oh, I'm going to. Yeah, I wouldn't. I think that's it. Very extreme. And uh, yeah. so you think we had the we have the best team in terms of quality as well as defence and mental fortitude, and that's how we won the World Cup. Well, defence is one part of rugby. Yeah, it's a quality, I, I isn't it? I, yeah, I it's just, just as important. If no, it's more important than a, an offensive game. But we have the offence. We have, how many teams have the variation that we have? We can do both. We can now. We so can who, now. who has that? Uh, who can genuinely well, do that? Well, both? I mean, Ireland can. The Kiwis can. Yeah, and France can. Um, but, yeah, I, I just... Maybe I'm not giving my point across well, but but I, I don't think we are probably the best team man for man. Well, maybe we were the best team man for man across the entire squad. That's but I think people could start with 15 players that would be perceived as better than the 15 starting players okay. we put on the pitch. That's, that's, that's fair enough. Um, no, you can't say not fair enough. I don't, said that's fair enough. It. I said that's tell fair me, enough. Tell me why not. No, I said that's fair enough, what I've just said. And um, just a disclaimer for the uh, audience that uh, Andrew's very good friends with uh, Lawrence Delalio and Mark Tindall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. I won't get the whole hawk. He's actually not friends with Stephen Jones. Just those two uh, English players. But um, Andrew, you have a point, and obviously uh, I'm biased as you are. Um, I see our um, I see our starting fifty. Well, I don't see it as a starting fifteen. I see the twenty three as better than anybody else. That's how I see it. I'd agree with that. And I've only started shifting that um, quite recently. I remember going to Twickenham, which when you were there, and. Uh, I remember before that I predicted the Springboks would lose by 10 and I also said I, I would have every single one of New Zealand's backs over every single one of ours who's starting that really? Every single one, yeah. So I've started I don't know if I'd be there. <laughs> Gosh, I was in a dark spot. <laughs> <laughs> and then we beat them by a record score. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember you did say that the Kiwis would win. And I was horrified, I remember. Okay, so, yeah, half. Hold on. I have to pull you back there. So, 15 minutes into the game, Alma decides to leave. Yeah, no, don't, don't look shocked. I was. Um, no, it's 15 minutes before the end of end of the second half. No, Alma. You, it was still the first half when you disappeared. You watched most of the second half. So Alma, des Alma decides that it was all too much and <laughs> left the seat and watched a good, what, 10 minutes from the bar yeah. and, and from inside the toilet cubicle. Yeah. 
I will correct you. This was the second half, and here's my evidence, <laughs> Your Honour. So after half time, um, I'm actually um, where the stress has subsided a bit, which is a bit weird, eh? uh-huh. and this is dangerous because we're laughing and joking. They're a man down. We know they're going to come back fighting, so you can't rule them off. But we're ahead, and it's it, it's not that full on intensity we experienced the week before, mm. or even the week before that in, against France. Something very from a very very familiar pattern starts to happen in the second half that we're all all aware of when Springboks play the All Blacks. We're looking good. Sia goes through. He's running towards Andrew and I. We are couldn't be in a better place, oh, could we? He's he's done. running towards us. He's got the New New Zealand defender. He's 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 pinned his defender. Mm. The ball's in two hands from memory. It's perfect. Eh? And I think it's Creel. Jesse Creel. To his right, on the touchline. He's just got to draw the offender. Something we all do as schoolboys. Draw the offender. Pop the ball right. Creel's in. Andrew and I, DJ, we're off our feet. We're just about to jump around, hugging one another. And um, for some reason, Sia doesn't give up. <laughs> they hold him up, bang on the line from what I could see. And then Lindy comes in, picks it up and got held up yeah. over the line. 22 dropout. No. Behind the post dropout. Behind the post dropout. And I remember you being very vocal about that at the, at yeah, the time, saying yeah. that was the game. Or words to the effect of there that was the game. If words. We're done. And for, I remember for the next, that drove my stress levels because for the next 15, 20 minutes, that's all I could regurgitate <laughs> to you. I was probably annoying the hell out of you. <laughs> Fucking Celise, Celise. We had the game though. We had the game. And then moments yeah, later. Say why. Say why. So, so the thing was, then we were, I think it was, was it 12? It yeah, was, yeah, so it's 12. It's 12 6. So it's 12 6. Oh. That would have at least, it was a sure fire 5. It was in the corner. So, okay, so we've Pollard got. Pollard likely is going to. Yeah, we've up, got right? 17, and the, the, that, that's, that's a the bit game. too much. That's the game. With the inner final. And we both saw that chasm open. Like, it was light to dark there in that split the second of emotion. <laughs> yeah, no, we, virtually, we could have tackled someone. That's, uh, you know, on the ball we were. Yeah, okay. So carry on. And then, um, so. So New Zealand clear, clear the lines, but not long after, was it Willemsa? He puts the little kick through, he draws his man through here. Aronza looks as if he's in, well he wasn't, mm. right? he just slightly can mm. control the ball, another opportunity gone. Then um, moments after that, see a high shot, yellow call. So everything's compounded, the man who doesn't give the try to Creel, give the boss to Creel, is now yellow corded. I'm still in my Sia rant, which first and, first. And the crowd everything. came in very heavily on the uh, we, we, to try and influence. Yeah, the crowd, the French really, really booing Sia then, and yeah. uh, really coming in strongly. Um, uh, my concern, when they showed it a couple of times, I thought, oh, that's probably not a red. But that's what I thought. And that's what you said at the time. The right? crowd were going hard, weren't they? Yeah. Well, the point being of this familiar, horrible pattern, we've now had a chance to kill the spring to kill the All Blacks off. Not guarantee a win, but pretty much seal the deal mm. though, with a man up. And uh, and now we've got 14 men like those. <laughs> and you know they're coming for us now. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. They shifted the momentum and they were... It was a machine, wasn't it? So for the next 10, 15 minutes, it felt like two so is, hours. Is that when you left? I couldn't cope. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I was thinking... And then Barrett kept kicking for the corner. I was thinking, well... Okay, well, that's that's something that's given me equilibrium because um. But we didn't have a hooker, yeah. so then we realised we didn't have a hooker on the field. <laughs> Just on their lineup, the lineups weren't the best for the Kiwis. They so were on, both unpredictable. Uh, well, Dion 
the second half is poor. Yeah. But, but he's, then again, he's, it's not his role, is he? And that's why I thought the fatigue affected him. I could be wrong here. I could just be obsessed with fatigue, but I thought the bomb squad coming on and the scrums not going as well. I know you've explained something mm. different, which yeah. makes sense. I just thought that and Fury's, um, throwing in, I just thought uh, that's maybe a bit of fatigue. I, I can't say, or just probably the fact he's not a bloody hooker. So, I mean, that throwing in is, is hard for people that are full time hookers. What did you make of uh, Barrett kicking? Wait, I want to talk about you leaving a little bit more. Well, um, tell us where, where did you go and what did I you was do? struggling to cope with the stress <laughs> and my nerves and the my anger, my anger actually, because the combo. It's typical the of watching the old style of emotions. Oh, we should have That's what them. it was. It's the emotional damage previously over the years that they've, they've done to us. Here's it. what we do we fuck things up, <laughs> we get a man sent, and then they fuck us <laughs> uh, when, when, when you said, I'm out of here, I thought, oh, that's funny. And then you left. And I. I thought I must just need the bathroom, but then you know. <laughs> well, the only reason I came back in eventually was this Mon monster fan joined me at the bar, <laughs> boring me to death. He's at a World Cup final. He's looking away from the screen, talking about other things apart from the flipping rugby. What's going on here? <laughs> now, nah, look, I might be bad, but I need to get back in the. <laughs> I heard this. I heard this huge roar at one point, and I just uh, I put my head around the toilet and looked at the screen, and and the Kiwis had scored. Apparently, had been oh. scrubbed off, so I missed that try. Oh, you missed it. I yeah, missed yeah. it completely. But it was because of a knock-on in in the lineout, which, mm -hmm. you know, to the TMO's credit, was a, a genuine knock-on. It knock -on. was a knock-on. Yeah, great, wonderfully finished there, wasn't it, by the All Blacks? And lo and behold, they score again, which which I thought, looking at the screen, that's forward, and then other people were saying around me, no, it's not. So I wasn't sure. You I, just accept the decision. I didn't think the pass was forward, I th but it was a knock-on in terms of the ball going forward. Again, one of the one of the commentators said that if it bounces forward after going backwards, it's not a forward pass. But we need to check that because I, my understanding was that that's not the case. If the ball ends up in front of you from where you pass it, it by hitting the ground, but surely that's a forward pass. Well. It looked wrong again watching it on TV. However, as far as I'm concerned, the rest made his decision. You accept it, you move on. Yeah. Mwanga misses the kick. Lucky for us. Yeah. So we're still somehow in the lead. Um, 14, That's one point, eh? 12 yeah. 11. Yeah. Sia comes back on to a really loud yeah. chorus of booing. What do you make of that? Just the fucking French fan. Well, I'll have a bit of a rant about French fans afterwards. Um, <laughs> they need to. Somebody said when we were there, or just after, they they need to get over it. Uh, you've gone out your own World Cup, well, well, and you're hanging around booing I'm everyone just in sight. I understand oh. when. It, you, you know, if you have a really good player and he does something wrong, fans will boo the player. Oh. You know, football. I mean, is that how the French work? Because I haven't really experienced. Circulisi is probably the most loved. Not my right? French. <laughs> but is it because he's a. Like they, is the importance of him, or I don't understand what they're bringing. May, maybe it's just they're just completely on New Zealand side. They want New Zealand to win, and they'll just because we knocked them out. Maybe even if we hadn't knocked them out, they'd still be supporting New Zealand owners. That's how I see it. Okay, New Zealand are popular there, and they'll just do anything to help support them. Well, I don't know. New Zealand are popular, they, although they always the bogey team for. New no, I'm guessing. I'm yeah. just guessing. Yeah. I, I, I like even thought about that, but I don't understand unless they were all trying to just have an effect on the psyche of the game and whatever but 
It was the loudest boo of the night, was when he came running back on the field. And what that did to me was, well, I'm not going to the toilet and disappearing again. <laughs> I'm going to channel my anger because you fuck you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was saying. And I was getting African, angry. Uh, the South African honestly, fans yeah. heard that. Yeah. And... <laughs> Wow, we started chanting, and so I don't even know what we were saying, but I was screeching along. It was a lot of bokka, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a lot of bokka. <laughs> well, at this stage, then you went to go get beers, so you left again. <laughs> if, if you put your value of money for your ticket for the amount of minutes you spent on your, your stool, that's probably the most expensive ticket in the ground. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> so after this sustained period of pressure, and see us back on now, well, we, we kind of come back again, don't we? We're, um, we're, uh, Vili comes on, we notice he'll be playing with a bit more width now. Mm. The kicking's gone. Because now we've got the extra man again. We're putting it through the hands. Uh, New Zealand, credit to them, they're defending extremely mm. well. And what we are doing now is around the halfway line or in we're looking for the drop goal that's clearly a coach thing but it looked desperate to or, me or in the look it was clearly a tactic yeah. um so i'm sure they'd been did any get near uh, not that i can remember but there, i mean it's torrential right it's not an easy place to yeah. kick a drop kick the tactic they did was very obvious was we'd run it wide and then put the kick into the corner so we obviously backed our Pinning line out yeah. management and and did, i don't know if you noticed we put all our put all our jumpers and we moved back and so they had the two ball. The two ball is not good for them. Mm. They don't like the two ball. So they always want to go four or six um, or to the back. And yeah, it was a lottery in the lineouts, wasn't it? No, 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 completely, completely. Um, New Zealand had their moments again coming at us. And um, Colby, we're getting we're getting towards the end here. Probably 10 minutes to go. Or it wasn't, probably 72 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't even think it was 72. It was like 71. Somewhere around there, yeah. And uh, Colby, that was a yellow cold all day long. Yeah. yeah. All day long um um he goes off camera goes in we see him with his hands and um you know we're back to playing 14 against 14 and i'm back to stressed uh well the, the stress mm. is really ramping mm. up again it's a familiar you theme. see i was battle hardened you were from the england yeah. game yeah, yeah. I, I was I was expecting not even just the England game I've known the resilience of this team before and my sense was and it might have been also because of a heavy pitch New Zealand didn't have that one player break the line type score in them because of many we are defending well it's a bit wet the, it's more difficult to keep your, your, your you know your yeah. studs in the ground side step put people off Seven that type of thing on. Richie Mwanga did do it actually um, with that try yeah. that was disallowed or was I can't remember which mm. so, so he he did it but that was the only point in the game where that really happened yeah and it was only um towards the end where they were getting semi breaks i'll say semi breaks but um gosh every time the player threatened to break it was mostly barrett and he was getting was fucking pinned, the eel but the eel was still getting pinned yes he snaked his way through and jordan was we getting made pinned. a few lost ditch tackles oh the cover defense. Even tap tackles. Yeah. yeah. Was fast. Cover defense. Yeah, they did break the line once or twice. They covered it. Dion Free had a really good cross cover. But tackle. never completely through. No. no never no. completely through. And so the scramble was always yeah. uh, was always there. The, um, so after um, Colby goes off, I think it was Barrett takes the kick. As he was lining up, the winds started increasing. I pointed it at you, yes. Yeah, we all did. And the posts that were near us, it wasn't the ones he was kicking towards. Mm. They were going, God knows how many feet, but it was at yeah. least two or three feet they were moving. And, um, if, if you recall, I said to you, he'll have to miskick this together. To yeah, oh. the, but he was, didn't miskick it, it, did he? He did it beautifully. Yeah, he did, but I think because he hit it so well, it counted against him. The, it's all, it's almost an impossible kick. That it, like the the wind wasn't it's just what exactly. It, was it wasn't just blowing across the field. The the poles were going 
they weren't moving in unison. How do I explain this? The two poles, the upright poles, were waving yeah, at, at different. Mm. So you know, when you kick, you you set your you set yourself up to look at the poles to line up. The poles were moving. Hey, what would have been a good three or four feet? I don't know, meter each way mm. was a very difficult kick. So I wasn't surprised to see him miss it. In fact, I think he did a really good job to get it where he got it. It was a decent kick. We saw so it. if we pause there for a second, because I heard potentially one of the dumbest fucking comments ever, and you're not going to be surprised from where this came. Matt Williams has Why now... Why are you still entertaining? No, no, idea. because this was so dumb, it's actually even dumb for him. <laughs> <laughs> he said... With teams like us playing the way we do, what they need to do now is narrow the posts so that you can't get points. <laughs> so that the points on a three for a penalty and a two for a conversion, they should all be one and you should narrow the posts. So it promotes attacking rugby. Right. Well, you go get yourself a coach. <clears throat> Preferably not him. It good like wins two games out of how many with Scotland. I mean, they're coachless. So that guy's an empty vessel. No comment. So, um... <laughs> Softy misses. I mean, we're into the mid, mid. You know, we're talking five, six, seven minutes to go here. Mm. And what was reassuring to I'm me? I'm getting nervous now. Yeah, must. My, my no, I mean was, like sitting here. We, are, we spent the vast majority of that in their half and in their 22. Yeah. And I think Faf had a charge them. down. We yeah. were pinning them back. However, and it was, it, they were getting nowhere. They were trying to play their way out of it. But inside of me and you and every other Springbok supporter, you know they're going to they're gonna find a way. <laughs> All Blacks of uh, breaking the line. And they kind of did a, a long touchline, working the phases. And before we know it, they're in a flipping half. <laughs> And the clock is like uh, two minutes. It's a knock on, I think, and then we get a scrum. Gosh, yeah. And just talking about the scrum, Angie, and my concerns with Dion and uh, this, the previous couple of scrums looked as if, well, they did. We were going backwards, and New Zealand had the edge here. So, mm. so, you know, I think the scrum was retaken. It was like one minute to go or something, and we ended up with a scenario where it was just seconds to go. But even with Faf putting in, I was not confident we were going to retain that ball. And I was just looking at Wayne Barnes, who was straight ahead of us, mm. and just expecting that freaking hand to go up. And um, I've watched I, I it, I've watched it again, I, I and I'm didn't. not sure what happened with the ball anyway. I don't think anyone did, because oh. uh, who knows what happened in that phase I haven't of got play. A clue. I don't even know why it stopped the game, because the ball didn't go out. I truly can't tell you what happened in the last 30 seconds of that game. Or where the ball was. But, but to, to, just, to just increase the tension, before it was like oh. 71 minutes and 30 seconds and then there's like a four minute break do you recall mm -hmm. like it all stops and whatever and we were sitting there now i'm holding my breath for four minutes and all i'm thinking to myself ox come on son you know put it in because like you said we had we we weren't dominant in the scrum mm. before that they put the ball in the first so for the very last scrum the first time they put it in they pushed us off the ball but it was because they started pushing before we, we had actually we were allowed to push the ball went in so it's not allowed to be second time we were firm and then five decides he's going to break around the side the and kicks it directly into Mwanga's hands in his hands or he takes a really good catch, turns around, plays it down the back line. At this stage, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is so typical. I've seen this before. Um, and on that same theme, I know we've missed this in terms of a, a chronological order, but prior to the scrum, New Zealand attacking us hard, uh, Quagga um, turned... It turns out it was an illegal turnover. It wasn't yeah. given, but he, yeah. he turns over the ball. The ball finds its way 
into the backs with Jesse Creel, who puts a horrendous kick down the throat of Mackenzie, who just invites trouble back. Mackenzie, of all yeah, people. Yeah. Like who then kick it to the wrong person. God, he then steps someone, puts the ball wide. My heart's in my mouth thinking, why did I come back into the stadium to watch this? <laughs> But uh, we get away with it. I had a face As a scrum no, half, I can't even make sense no, of, of what was going I, on. Even when I rewatched it, sure. there was a whole lot of bodies, and then Wayne Barnes turns around. I don't know why he stopped the game, because I thought mm. we we went, it, it kind of looked like they took us to ground, and they were all over it, and they should have got a penalty for us not getting the ball out. That's Yeah, I think we probably thought the same thing. <sighs> when everyone's collapsed at the side of the scrum, and we were the, the time was up on the clock, Wayne Barnes turned to face us, if you like, yeah. was was walking down with his head with his head low, and I was just expecting he was coming back to give the penalty, and that's where the kick would be. Uh, for, uh, and I was thinking, oh my god, this is a disaster! When he blew the whistle, because he put his arm in the air, we didn't know what was going on. The players didn't well, know. Because I was screaming no one, to you. Yeah. What's going on? No, What's no going on? No one knew if it was a, a penalty, the end of the game. And then when he did the double blast, we kind of realized. But there was that split second where oh. he put his arm up like in a neutral position. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't to either other. And we couldn't see like on the angle. It was only when I saw Springboks players, I think it was uh, Fury, hugging someone else and the hands going, no. And then... <laughs> And then... Oh, well, I completely melted <laughs> for a long time. I remember yeah. being cuddled by you and yeah. Steja, and then random guy came up and cuddled me, but I, 15, I couldn't stop 15 the 15 minutes so. of waterworks. <laughs> I couldn't... Apologies. Combination so. of... Disappearing and then crying. Uh, all those... Imbi- no, do you know what it is? Every game that you've invested, every moment into the Springboks, all the hours of doing this, the, we love yeah. it, and... <laughs> And it all just came out in like a waterfall of tears. TLC would have been proud of you. In fact, I think they sang a song about it. Well, it was cathartic. It was good. I felt yeah. good afterwards. I know. And then you, you couldn't stop laughing for. Well, I don't know. We were still laughing on the drive home the next day. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Eh? Wow. Can you remember your thoughts at the final whistle, apart from having a blabbering mess next to you? But uh... I, I, it was. Surreal. Was it a release? Was it relief? Or was it celebration? No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't relieved. surreal. I wasn't surreal relieved. I think it was surreal for me because you know I've watched three World Cups that we've won. I've never even made it to any one of those games, and it was beyond my comprehension that I was at a World Cup final mm. of a World Cup final that we had won in a neutral country. Um, yeah, like that for me was. I was trying to get my head around this was a World Cup because being in South Africa before all three of those others no no sorry for two of the others i know what those celebrations were like mm. i was thinking i know what this means uh, the fun the vibe and as much as it was a super good vibe in there my experiences after games after us winning the world cup being in south africa was actually more of a job mm. than what i experienced in the stadium well, it, it was, and no doubt it continues to be. Well, you've way. seen, I've got like three pictures in my, my house, mm. and they're the three pictures of the World Cup finals. So the next one goes up of us in the stadium, oh, and yeah. I'm going to all right. And the biggest picture I have in my house this is Joel Stransky, a painting kicking the... Uh, Which is the picture <laughs> that I have as well. <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, one thing I definitely avoided and distracted myself from game. 
from the semi-final to the, yeah, very good Angie, from the semi-final to the final was not allow myself to fantasize or think about the victory and how I'd react and um, how I'd celebrate and all those I I can't see how you can and I, and you start getting into hope and loss and I just didn't want any part of that so when the whistle went it was just pure relief and it was sometime after that things you know they start gradually hitting you don't they like cheapest yeah. that's our fourth world cup we've gone back to so back it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that i never i never went in my mind to the celebration of no. winning the game no. even even in the whole week's build-up i never like i i thought about the the trip there i thought about yeah. what i wanted to do leading up to the game i thought i i knew from having been at the england game that i needed to like man up a bit there and you know put my big shorts on and go in there and support yeah. the bocker um but i never ever pictured the final whistle going what i would mm. do and you know some guys they, they're so ahead of their time like france Pino with the things he says and these guys but they come out i couldn't even couldn't even think remember the next day you and i couldn't even remember like i saw things in the game the next day that i know i saw in the game that i had no recollection of mm. oh, it was just like a hazy 10 minutes and thankfully on the saturday i was just completely distracted from thinking about the game because we're just too busy thinking of locksmiths and being run over and uh, <laughs> Palestinian mob Palestinian rights and then <laughs> these sort of bars playing fucking strange music. Okay. Well, let's bring in our first uh, contribution from the voice from the Cape himself. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, hope everybody has recovered sufficiently from uh, the festivities of Saturday night. I'm sure you can hear. <laughs> I'm actually smiling, grinning from ear to ear here, and just wonderful that um, we managed to win the World Cup once more. Uh, I would now put in a petition to have the William Webb Ellis Trophy be renamed as Willem in honour of the South African team being the first team to win Bill for the fourth time. But let's let, let's talk about it. I thought. The game was exactly what we expected it to be. An epic, epic contest between two of the world's best teams that have the most, the utmost respect for each other. I will touch on this immediately and then go on to the game. I, for the, in this game or at the end of this final, I saw more respect and honor than I did for against the teams of France in the quarterfinal and against the English in the semi-final. I'm sure everybody could see the reactions and the interactions of the players with the English team. And there was a distinct sort of atmosphere as we don't fucking like you. And that is exactly what I saw. But with the All Blacks team, it was just respect and honour. I do feel that the All Blacks were the better attacking team on the night. Um, I do feel for Sam Kane. I mean, according to the letter of the law, yes, that was read. Um, again, with Siakulisi's head on head. Um, also, again, mitigation there. So we can say that the officiating in the game for me was spot on. I thought Wayne Barnes and he's uh, officiating team had an absolutely sterling performance, fantastic performance in the final, which allowed it to be the spectacle that it was. Um, all due respect and honor and 
gutted for the All Blacks, but also elated, happy, and just amazed by the performances that the Springboks have put in over the entire tournament. Let's 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 just run through that. This team played four or five of the top tier teams, top six teams in the world, and managed to win this thing. There will be no other team, I believe, that will be able to go through a World Cup tournament and be able to pull off something like that. Um, wow. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm still trying to digest everything. I thought the game was fantastic. Um, there are two players or two, two players in particular. I like to point out Peter Steph, the toy was just, I don't, are there any words to describe how epic that man was? 28 tackles. I'll say that again, 28 tackles in the game and not just a few. He made some dominant hits in that game. I mean, then to add on Andre Pollard, I'm going to say this now, and I say this with all due confidence. I believe Andre Pollard is the best fly half that South Africa has ever produced. The man is immune to pressure and the man that steps up when he's required. So with a, with a nickname like the Iceman, who can argue that? But with that being said, congratulations to the Springboks for once more. Winning the game, winning the trophy, and all making us all proud once more to be South African. Well, many thanks, uh, the voice from the Cape. Um, yeah, a couple of things he said got me thinking. Um, the loss of Pollard, the best fly half we've ever produced. I kind of uh, raised my eyebrows when he said that, but then I'm thinking about it. And nice blitzer. It's probably the best we've ever had. But how do you measure him, though? Big enough, that sucks. Because <laughs> if you speak to Kiwis of the right age, they all tell you that they were terrified of him. Yeah, um, and we've all seen the videos, and uh, I actually own a box set of the Cavaliers tour with him playing. Obviously, I've no defence, but it's hard to measure him, though, when there's no World Cups. Or so and, well, and also, they real... probably would have taught him how to tackle. Yeah... Gosh. Uh, well, he's the obvious contender, but take away Nas. Say the professional era. Yeah, genera yeah, yeah. What would you say the professional era? Do you think he's a bust? I'd probably immediately say, yeah. Two World Cups, one semi-final. I need to think about that. It, it, it's, it's also interesting that he goes, he's behind a pack that is so dominant. He, he may be the best kicker in the professional era that we've had. But I, I'm not quite convinced the best fly half because we haven't had packs like this that have been rampant. But yeah, mm. you probably um, been strong and physical and edgy. Probably kick is the word. The fact that 99% of fly halves kick the ball and that's part of their mm. uh, remit. You know, Butch James was a bit of I mean, an is anomaly. He's he he? not a bit of running fly off than Marnie. No, Marnie's but, given us a different. But to win World Cups. Ah, to win. He's, so I'd agree with that. And he's that's a form thing. of measurement, isn't yeah, it? The yeah. World Cups. Into, so if you just caveat it with that knockout rugby test, rugby kicking fly half, I, I would agree. Oh, well, uh, yeah, thanks. Interesting point. Thanks to, to the voice from the Cape. And our next contributor and last one is uh, Sean the Nose. Afternoon, gents. My take from the final on the weekend. Goodness gracious. 
congratulations to the Springboks. Truly remarkable effort. Unbelievable. There's one word that just keeps coming back to me, and that's resilience. I don't think there's ever been a team that's been this resilient in, in World Cup history. It's just truly remarkable. Uh, what that team had to do to beat the top five teams to go through playing basically World Cup finals three weekends in a row is just truly phenomenal. Not enough can be said about this group of players and coaching staff. Congratulations once again to the Springboks. Just truly remarkable. Well done also to the All Blacks. I think they went over and above where they thought they would end up. They pushed us so, so close. And uh, let's not forget they had their chances. Big mistake, in my opinion, not to take three points. And they kept at it. And, um, yeah, they had their chances. So, you know, congratulations again to the Springboks. Just truly remarkable. And a little side note on, on a couple of players. Dion Fury, goodness gracious, hey. How's this guy? 38 years old. Barely just comes into the squad. Makeshift hooker. Bungie goes down and ends up playing nearly 78 minutes. What an absolute champion. And jeez, he got around. He had a remarkable game. And um, I think also another couple of mentions. Um, feel real sorry for old Sam Kane. Um, you know, that's not the way you want to go out. And uh, especially in the World Cup final. Actually felt for the guy. Shame, man. But um, look, this is, these are the rules, and I think uh, Barnes got it right. And also another mention to Geordie Barrett. Goodness gracious, that guy. My gosh, he was everywhere. He played his heart out. But the final point I'm going to make is Geordie Barrett, I reckon he must be having nightmares about Peter Steph to toy. How many times did Peter Steph smash him, take him out? I don't know. I think I counted five or seven times. Peter Steph Dutoy, what an absolute monster. You are unbelievable. Goodness gracious. Anyway, guys, it's another World Cup done. We are unbelievable. Played eight, one four, 50% win ratio. Just truly remarkable. Is this the greatest Springbok side ever? Well, I seem to think so. Congratulations again. All the best, and uh, I've been loving all the comments and being on this podcast thanks very much guys have a good day ciao and many thanks to uh, sean the nose there and just uh, somebody we haven't really covered we've mentioned him a, a few times but uh man of the match he needs a special mention i think peter stefford because it, uh, when you're involved watching the match live a lot of things bypass you and you know he's got a presence we see a couple of his big hooks mm. on geordie barrett in particular I remember one near the end i'm thinking gosh if we'd got that pass away to jordan or wherever it was a Sheesh, we're in a lot of trouble here. It's all going to open up. And then you watch it. I watched it last night and you kind of, oh my God, thank God for Peter Stefford toy because um, without him, we're in trouble. And he's just put in maybe one of the best World Cup performances it's, of all time. Maybe I'm just putting to, it up there. Yeah, I mean, of but, all time. But besides some of the Lomo. Or a Dan Carton, Dizogi, but, yeah, I, but the defense is. Defensively, oh, there's, I don't think there's anything to rival it. 
inside 28 and, and remember we were saying he's not quite on form from the 2019 the World Cup cycle was a couple of injuries he looked a bit well, his leg was messed up properly, almost lost it, it almost, yeah. was almost amputated and he's dead look he's been world class in the World Cup but not to the old Peter Steff mm. levels but he's been worming his way back and yeah. to that level I mean that that final performance Jeez. phenomenal so I saw a, I saw a funny <laughs> meme it was Halloween costumes for Kiwis and it had a Peter Steff <laughs> Toy, um, Springbok rugby kit. You see it? Fantastic. Mm. It's our time now, All Blacks. <laughs> yes, yes. It's our time now. Um, <clears throat> the All Blacks, Angie. What did you make of them? I thought they were phenomenal. They went off to 40. I've got nothing but praise for them. Yep. And whilst I'm on a rant about the red cords and stuff and how they kill games, 99% of the time they kill. They do kill games. Mm. They didn't kill this one. It went all the way into added And that's, added credit, time, that's yeah. credit to all that. And they were the better team the, in terms of offensively. Not, not, our defence was awesome. I acknowledge that. But they that, were but playing to their strength. 100%. They were playing well. to their strength. That's a different... Yes, they were. But that's always the way we knew... It's no surprise. Don't worry people say oh they're a better team they're a better team no they're more enjoyable to watch in terms of attacking rugby mm. it doesn't make you the better team no. um but they yeah they're fantastic and eh? the way they throw the ball around in the wet um the unstructured broken play uh, is unrivaled i don't think any team maybe the fijians but yeah. no one else can really touch them for that and I, I think, you know, we, we haven't mentioned it before, but also the grit and determination, the way that they solidified, because you could easily fall apart in and, a World Cup final. And, and they defensively, they, they went were, the other way. They were sound defensively. They were. They were very, I mean, we didn't score a try. We didn't, didn't we score a try? No. We didn't need to. We didn't. <laughs> We didn't score a try, so they kept us out. I mean, the Sia one was silly from him to do that. However, I've got a criticism of them because I try to think, okay, what if I was this uh, All Black supporter uh, or, if, or if the roles were reversed and that was a Springbok? So, and my mantra, of course, is boring, isn't it? Kick your kicks, take the three when it's on offer, <laughs> you know have a good set piece just do the ba basically do the basics well and um i'd be if that was a springboks going for the corner when the game's so close i'd be pretty pissed off i think yeah. so think about this go on, go on. And, and i don't even mean to do this but it's just like a thought that's in my head sam kane would have made that call kicking for the corner yeah he has to make that call mm -hmm. he was the captain by the way you asked me this the other day Audi. Oddie, Oddie, okay. I only figured that out. But so okay. Sam Kane would have called because those mm. kicks were quite early on when they went into the corner. And I understand why they did it. So that would have been his call. Then he had a complete shocker with the face, but potentially the worst shocker anyone's ever had in the final, the poor guy. I felt, I felt really, I wish that he just got a yellow um, there and was able to come back on. But I'm also glad, in a way, that he didn't come back on because goodness then with 15 men that would also have been an interesting one with 14 men they did so well let's move this into another dimension okay so we've talked about the team talked about springwell talked about the all blacks some of the players were phenomenal i mean audio severe what, what you know what I, I do like the fact of the award he won player of the year do i think he deserved it yes and no but the other dimension is the coaches so there's a battle of strategy and there's a battle of coaches. What do you make of that for the finals and for the leading games up until the point of, and, and potentially for where these teams have come from over the, the journey, four years and then the last kind of 
you're six months. Well, I don't think there's a coach out there or coaching team out there that can rival this. Well, there is. Andy Farrell. Well, hear what I'm going to say first. Uh, <laughs> six years ago, in 2000, or seven years ago, 2017, where were the Springboks? Where were we? 2018, we took a 52 point thrashing from the All Blacks. Yeah. Scored zero points. Went to Italy, lost. Went to Wales, I saw that performance in Wales, lost. Went to Twickenham, the first time in over 10 years we'd lost, lost. We were falling off a cliff hugely. We were heading towards tier two status. The money, the sponsors were not sponsoring us anymore, mm. you remember. Mm. Uh, domestic rugby in South Africa was dying on its knees. Only the Lions, your, your bloody team, were putting up some sort of, uh, uh, some sort of resistance. Well, they were really playing well. There was nothing going on. The sub, uh, Springboks are playing to half-empty stadiums in South mm. Africa itself. Yeah, I'm Gosh, ticket prices were slushed. I remember going to uh, an England game and it was, you know, three quarters full. Mm. The um, th So you think of it like that and Rassi leaves. I'm not sure how Munster were doing. I think they were doing pretty well. Never as well as Leinster, of it course. Lovely. But uh, yeah, but he, he was established and well, well liked, well respected. You know, he gets the gig and think of where we're from. Not just to two I, years to win the World I, Cup. But I, don't, I don't think that's a good... To now. I, I don't think... But I, I don't think that's no. a fair building because because no, he wins every he, time. He, no, because he won coach of the year. So he won coach of whatever. What is it? Coach of four year cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he won. No, they have coach every year, don't they? Coach and a player every year. So he won the best coach in in the two thousand and nineteen World Cup. So he got those accolades. I'm talking about from. But uh, but Andrew, what he was doing was he was never playing. He was okay. He was never planning to uh, win 2019 World Cup, was he? Well, there's a coaching team that are planning for this World Cup yeah, to win yeah, it. Yeah, they, they were. So that's when you can I'm compare them to to the other coaches. No, no, I'm, I'm comparing on a timeline between where the where the Kiwis have kind of come over the four year cycle at the mm. furthest back, and I think more importantly over the last year and a half when they did and buried. You now spoke, we put it, did a number on them. They were there for the taking. Had the foot on the neck, didn't we? we and the we, on the we neck, picked Dweber. I mean, that was it, it, it was like. You know when you go into a bar and you've been drinking the whole night and you start throwing darts with no feathers in and you know, hit everything else? Correct me if I'm wrong, that was the first time I've ever known. I, I get frustrated anyway when the test is potentially sacrificed by experimenting. Yeah. You saw it bloom with a packed yeah. arse. Yeah. Um, I've never known it to happen against the All Blacks. And I thought, what is going on here? The All Blacks, you don't, you play your best bloody yeah. team against these yes. and and you still potentially get a pasting <laughs> what you don't do is experiment against this flipping team because when your foot's on the neck against them as well and Fozzie's job's on the line so we're here we're led to believe mm. if they'd lost them okay. he'd have gone maybe that's a good thing and they'd have won the World Cup with no, that's <laughs> genius because <laughs> yeah. genius. May maybe that <laughs> in hindsight yeah but at the time it's filling and that pep Telly's port that were banging for blood, knowing pretty much knowing until they saw the team sheet that Springboks were going to win. Yeah, and, yeah. and we let them in. New Zealand confidence rises. Fozzie gets his job, but you know you can't. You don't just become a consistent great All Blacks team overnight again. And and they've been shown to be fallible, haven't yeah. they? Do you think this is potentially the worst All Blacks team ever? 
what a what a weird thing to say when they've just uh, lost the World Cup final by yeah, a few yeah, seconds. But you've got a point, and that's my, the standards I'm we measure the, them I'm by. On the huh? timeline, that, well, that's not a lack of respect. That's against that's the baseline that they've standards. set. Yeah, they, so they've had a few historical moments in the last year. Ireland. The t- first test series ever lost them. Italy, Argentina go there and beat them in New Zealand. Italy, um, Ireland beat them in New Zealand. They get pasted by the Springboks, world record <laughs> loss. The, the France give them a, um, a good smack. Um, like, when? That hasn't happened. Ever. And during the professional era, this is the worst uh, All Blacks team in the professional era, which seems weird because they, uh, they're world class. <laughs> But, but measuring this, them by their own world, but, by their own standards. But this is kind of why I'm confused. Or, I'm, not, I'm not asking the question out of trying to be funny. I mean, <laughs> like to put those two together, it's like when you look at a continuum and you've got like references on both sides. Like, or maybe we just credit um, teams like Ireland and France who have stepped up. Well, they have. They have. Ireland more so, I'd say, because France away from home is still not the uh, they're not the package. But Ireland, proof they are away from home last year. Yeah, and and they also came back from a, a lot to then win the second two, which I think is even a bigger mm. expression. Uh, which leads me to another point that I just want to mention. So now we're in a situation where Jock's going to um, Leinster. Leinster, Leinster yeah. And um, Rossi is still a director of rugby and he said he will step in. We don't have um, another international for seven months. Mm. So we have seven months to put ourselves in place to get a coach. Who do you think... I'm convinced and I have been uh, for some time, well, since the last World Cup, I'm convinced it's going to be someone from Wither. I don't think, I think the way they talk and listening to to Rassi and Jock's language and all the coaches' language, that they're, they've got this model going, if you like. Mm. So, and to bring somebody in as a head coach, they'd have to buy into that model and not bring their own team in, for example. They just have to slot in. And I just don't, I can't see that happening. I can see, I can see them bringing in like expertise in certain fields. And mm. so I think the coach comes from within. What I would say from that is that makes me a little bit concerned. He was, I, I mentioned, um, Dion King, the Dion Davids, Dion da- David, sorry. Um, the stick also, also uh, had connections to Eastern Province, but the the, the only reason I mentioned um, Mr. King, as I'll call him, is because um, he he was in charge of a very good uh, Southern Spears team for two three years, where we actually punched way above our weight in that mm. hour. Listen to me, <laughs> Super Rugby, and we had those great playoff games with the Lions. I, I, so he has that experience. I thought it was Kim, Robbie Kim, that was the coach. Yeah. Then. Okay. Well, I had no idea that Dion Davis is in the Springbok team or the Springbok uh, coaching staff. Mm. So you think he's got it? Uh, well, you are. So I just think they'll promote him no, with I'm, I'm like, I'm horrified that I didn't even know he's in the. I, I would have thought the more natural was Dobson, um, or because I know he's been involved. In the, I've seen him in sitting in the, the green and gold in there, and then. When dealers stick, I think they're trying their hardest to somehow get him in. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if he's a front man. Uh, he doesn't come across as a front man, does he? Yeah. And like you say, um, the, the big one is is Russie. If we lose that, and we can't hold it against him if he decides to pick up a lucrative deal and get his kids uh, passports for another country. Surely Russ is pretty secure now. Two World Cups. Well, uh, did you see how much the Springboks won? 
114 million yeah, rand. So, so without, I won't see any of that. They would like 50k each. Yeah, and um, Russ is like a lot of us, isn't he? If he's if he's comfortable at home, where would he rather live? Like, just putting it out there. Let's. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Andrew, in terms of legacy, it's done. Nothing to say. It's there. It's entrenched. I think we should really start a petition to have Russie's face engraved <laughs> in Table Mountain. <laughs> hey? Him and Nelson Mandela, the two biggest contributors to South Africa over many years. Well, well, we talk about legacy. So um, does this does this World Cup and the Springboks, do they transcend rugby? We say yes. And, my, and I'll tell you why. It's because it's not just about rugby. So R- Russie... Um, over the cycle of six years that you've mentioned, made tough calls, ones that were misunderstood originally with Sia bringing them in. <laughs> every single, I don't even like saying this anymore, every single guy deserved to be in that team, no matter where he came from. And what that does is there's a connection into the entirety of the population of South Africa. It's gone away from being the symbol of apartheid and Afrikaner to being a symbol of South Africa and everybody there. You and I noticed it. Groups of traveling black supporters. I've never seen guys coming in in their hordes. Huge groups. Hey? Huge groups of black Africans. There were more um, of groups of black African guys in central Paris than white. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who else has ever done that? What brand has ever done that? You see the singing from a pimpy in the shop. They're singing for the Springboks. So for me, it has. And as, as I think it was unintentional, which, as well as intentional, which I made it even better. Y- yes. I think he, he meant to make the calls, but it wasn't based on the things that we would usually make those calls on. So, And that made all the difference. And I think it represents a full spectrum of South Africa. I, I completely agree with you. And uh, you know, I thought I'd jump on that once you mentioned Nelson Mandela. He too understood that uh, sport transcends the their own sport, yeah. well, as we all know. Um, in terms of a rugby legacy, I mean, rugby, the history of the World Cup, the history of rugby. Firstly, in terms of the Springboks, is this the best Springboks squad team of all time? I think it has to be. I think it's definitely the best Springbok squad I've ever seen. And I think they would have been, I would have said they're the best team squad far and away because had they not played some strange selections, we could have dominated for the two years besides COVID. Like 2019, they were sitting on top of the world. We had this plan where we just scrummed everyone broken. It gave them a lot of time to set themselves up to be able to deal with us. There was a lot more games happening in Europe. It opened up here much quicker. Mm-hmm. We struggled with the Lions. The guys had to dig deep again. Think about that one. And then the game moved on. Ireland started getting it right. French started recruiting big people that weren't French into the team. And th- things changed. And we had to come up and they innovated again. So I I think potentially the best team ever, definitely the best squad ever. Best World potentially Cup team, the though. best squad ever assembled worldwide, not just Springbok. Uh, um, squad. I agree with you, though. With you, though. In terms of the squad and the depth. And and in the build-up, you could tell that uh, neutral countries' media agreed with that. The mm. one you're talking about this um, best World Cup team ever, Springboks. 
has to be. We didn't play in the first two. One fifty percent of the ones we played in. The two thousand twenty three Springboks team, best best World Cup winners ever. What do you mean? Out of all the teams that have won a World Cup, I do. Is I this think the best one. I I potentially think so. Yes. Because better than the. Are you saying better than the two thousand eleven, two thousand and fifteen yeah. All Blacks? Yeah. Yes, I I think well, I don't know. It's harder. I, I I don't I don't know. Look, that team was so dominant in between. I always have the argument that we so uh, the stats for us, the South Africans, we had a seventy percent. It was over a seventy percent win rate pre apartheid mm. ending. Mm. Then we came back. We hadn't played against you. We lost a few. We won a few, and then we went into. 15 years, 20 years, well, 15 years of trying to figure out how to introduce everybody into the game, which meant at times we weren't picking our best teams. Three or four times, or three, you know, times three players that weren't even the third, fourth best in their positions, and you're not going to win international rugby. So I think we could have put up a better performance in those, saying that, that not taking anything away from that 2011, 2015 team, they were brilliant. And they were brilliant from 1 to 15. Mm, amazing. I, th I think re the reason I, well, we've all, we were asking the questions, um, in terms of measuring why we may think this is the best team ever, is simply because they've had to play every one of the top six teams barring themselves and not only that I mean other teams may have done that in the past but we're talking about four of those teams are genuinely world class capable of winning the World oh, Cup oh, and one of them in terms of Scotland yep. not not a massive drop off behind. Mm. Right? Whereas if we go back to the last World Cup, I mean, who were the genuine contenders for the trophy? It was definitely the All Blacks. It was us as it transpired. It was Ireland again. Ireland, Ireland but they, but yeah, but they f they folded completely. But they went in favourites. Yeah, and England uh, came to the party in mm. 2015. New Zealand had a pretty much free run apart yeah. from the semi-final. That was their final, really. I mean, that fun that final was never in doubt. They were absolute favourites, weren't they? Yeah. And head and shoulders above everybody. So, do you, do you think Rossi is potentially the best coach ever? Yes, I do. And I'll go back to what I was saying uh, a while ago. Think about when he took over, and now he's got two World Cups in six years and a license. <laughs> So, How can you argue with that? No, I, I, I would agree with you on that, considering where it's coming from. Even though it's not the case. But I am. Um, so, so, you know, I thought he wasn't selected. Is Gatland has done some like magic tricks with the Welsh team? Mm. Look where they were. It, well, he got them punching 4-4-4 four, four, four above the... Well, exactly. Something earlier, Andrew, regarding the last... Uh, was it some stats in the previous World Cups? No, this is this World Cup. And what's that? Yeah, yeah. Do you so, have them to hand? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the stats around which of the top four teams and the games that they've won. So the top six teams versus the top six teams at Rugby World Cup 2023. So Scotland played two of the top six, one none. England played one, one none. France played 2-1-1. One, one. Ireland played 3-1-2. New Zealand played 3-1-1. One, one. 
and then South Africa played 5-1-4. And if you want to have a look at that, look on our any uh, rugby podcast Twitter feed. It's on there. Uh, really interesting. So it shows you through that statistically we were the best team. We played the so we played five of the top six, and the next best was New Zealand, who played three and, and they won yeah. one. And because of that, I say the Springboks team is the best team of all time in terms of the World Cup victories of any team. Yeah, I agree. Completely. What I would say about the New Zealand team in 2015, which backed up their win in 2011, was that interim period, that four years, they were on a different level there compared compared to the rest of the world. I know the rest of the world weren't playing at the same... They didn't have teams like they do now. We dipped our toe in it now and again. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think we scraped one win at Ellis Park on you. I remember Patrick Lambie... (laughs) from the halfway yeah, yeah. line but it was all moments small moments like that you smack when you could beat them you could but they were so dominant it was that team that scored us it scored our psych so that's why you were getting so nervous because we butchered the Khaleesi try and then you had these memories that yeah, they have imprinted and can you remember they often uh, they and McCaw's gate they're the, still fresh in our mind they used to talk about the greatest game in the world uh, when we had to win by a bonus point score four tries at Ellis Ball and we scored the four tries Habana scored in the mm. first two halves and lo and behold they they come back. Yeah, I know the best game ever played. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah. So in terms of the greatest team, they're, they're certainly candidates for the greatest team in that in that period. But the greatest World Cup team. Yeah, well, statistically, because it's such fact, it's not subjective because it is what it is. You know, the outcome is there. It has to be the Springboks. Well, what a feeling there. Just, um, I want to ask, what do you think your contribution to that is in terms of the games that you played in your entire life to grow the RP in South Africa? And don't be modest. <laughs> Well, I've um, definitely contributed to the heavy uh, presence of Eastern Province players in the, t- in the crowd, <laughs> in, in the, the team, in the, in the bathroom at the Stade de France. I can remember, I can remember the little artists, uh, Mapimpi and I'm looking at me on the, and yeah, uh, asking for autographs. Another PE legend, uh, Rassi. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was a blue legend. Uh, dispatcher. He, um, seen that trophy being lifted. I know I was actually recording it on my phone at the time, as were you, mm. but I wasn't looking really at my phone. Um, I was. We had a side on view. Didn't I we? was soaking it on and it just felt wonderful. Yeah. And then this, I remember the big screen panning in and uh, I, I got a glimpse of Malcolm Marks. Yeah. And then that reminded, he was on his crutches towards the back. And then it reminded me, oh yeah, Am's there, my pimpy. Oh, people we massively missed and we still got over the line without them and they're so integral to that squad yeah. and team it's beautiful to see them there. well to it to yeah. developing into what it was Mal- malcolm marks pimpy and m were are players that could play both styles of rugby so often we would change our back line and some of the forwards to suit playing different types of rugby those were guys that could play both those styles defensive attacking forward dominate whatever they, it was um, they, they were in, like you say they were st- like a, a strand that ran through the team that was common for many years now those two players you've just mentioned they'd seamlessly play in an all blacks team yeah wouldn't they you could see them there seamlessly yeah oh, really? oh. a guy like Dion Faree he wouldn't get picked in the all blacks they they uh, Quacker 
probably would start. Well, the, the thing is, which hopefully this is a reminder to a lot of coaches around the world, is uh, there's so many there's so many coaches and teams around the world that uh, you know once you're at a certain age 33 30 that's doesn't matter if you're having an indian summer as they perceive and you're doing awesome no no we're gonna look at the you know the, the young twenties and uh, too many players being ignored uh, mm. if they're good enough well, they, they always yeah. see i mean jake used that um theory as well didn't he when he got remember percy went over to wales sort of becoming a good kicker in the european fields developed himself besides throwing the linesman on the floor, you know, he, he matured, good <laughs> bad for like 10 games, remember. But he also brought, he brought Or, uh, Ors back. Osterant. Osterant. Yeah. And uh, there seems to be something in bringing that long tooth, silver head. Scott Britz, same thing. There's value in that player. Well, it's experience. And uh, not only experience, these players who presumed that's it, it's gone. Now they get to be the kid again. They think, oh, gosh, I'm going to make every flipping. Yeah. Because you know what you, <laughs> you don't have left. Oh. You almost realize what you don't have left. I'm going full in now. No, yeah. no. I'm, I'm going in with everything, both feet, front and back. Springboks 12, New Zealand 11. We win our fourth World Cup. <laughs> flipping amazing. <laughs> Oh, God. What I'd do now just to be uh, back in SA and watching them arrive and then the week-long tour. Mm, I'd love <laughs> good, to attend a run. Grief, I'd run man. off to the bus for like seven kilometers and then <laughs> drop dead <laughs> with happiness. Just amazing. Um, but I'm really enjoying over the, going to enjoy over the next week or two. Just let it slowly mm. just seep in and just, uh, have, just have enjoy it. A lot of people congratulate me when I went to the gym this morning. There's people that work with me and it makes me proud. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh. Moving on, there was another game. Was it? Yeah, believe it or not, it was the third and fourth place, uh, the bronze medalists, uh, Pumas in England. Um, you know, I actually forgot it was on. I'm not that invested in these sort of games. So um, I turned it on just after half time and uh, I immediately saw that it was a game and uh, the, the two teams yeah, no, invested were invested in it. Yeah. Was a like, I, I'm well, of the opinion, why wouldn't you want a third place medal? Like, I'd love to have that. I know that ridic sounds ridiculous, and the downs after coming like within a point to get into the final, that must be heartbreak, and then having to get yourself back up for it. But they, they both teams didn't hold anything back. No. Both teams went for it. Well, you could tell at the end the tears with the Pumas mm. uh, players when they lost out. Well, I think they're a bit similar to us, where they play potentially for a bit of happiness in the country too yeah 100 um, percent. their economy's in touch yeah, yeah well they've won a world cup football they, you know they're a good sporting country mm, yeah okay so england won so well done to england you you scrum gosh they got pumped in the second half but you you found a way of hanging on mm. so uh third place something to build on uh just the world cup in general and andrew we won't go on for too much longer um thoughts just thoughts in general i mean i think before the world cup we 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 talked about what we'd hope it would be what we what our fears would be so if i actually if i start off on a negative one of our fears was cards winning mm. games particularly mm. red cards so how do you think that all went i think sanity almost started prevailing a bit into mm. the tournament Did so it? Oh. There, there was definitely um 
scrutiny of it and it and it did get better because remember it all happened all of a sudden it wasn't coincident it was it was rubbish and they then all of a sudden there was red cards galore and then all of a sudden the m-word mitigation started coming yeah, in exactly. there was no red cards oh, not to a that we, we, we suddenly heard of this thing called the bunker it never been trialed and then we heard people at roland garros the fam- famous tennis, tennis stadium yeah. and they could give you a red card so it, it wasn't really something they prepared of, as for i do like the idea of taking it away from the ref so the ref doesn't get have to make the call on the pitch about a red i think it's too much so i do agree with that so look it played a part in the final um uh-huh. i don't think it's a finished product or uh, there needs to be something around malicious 100 percent um intent 100%. and i think there's a couple of different ways that you've got to look about yes take the guy off for 10 he can't come back on but you can bring another player in mm. so you punish the player not the spectacle 100%. i think the yeah. the audience pay the or the cost is too much in the audience and for the game <clears throat> it's very unusual that a team put on the performance like new zealand were, except england who scored like 40 points through drop kicks but generally that doesn't happen when you go man it's down. unusual very unusual. it's not the norm is it mm. it's, it's it's normally a color okay the world cup in general huh? well we, we obviously loved it huh? mm. look i had one of the most fantastic times with uh jacks in paris gonna go watch england <laughs> i enjoyed everything about it except the torrential rain um going going with yourself we had a real good laugh we, look we we were both quite stressed out in terms of like getting well, knocked are, out are, and getting are. knocked over and riots and fucking everything you can even think of it was just a casual monday night where we come from in south africa so we were more hardened to it but i, I think there's a couple of things for me i think they need to rethink about um this tier one tier two thing i don't like the super cup style thing they've got on the way again it's a tier ones that'll be taken advantage of and i do think there needs to be we, we need to look at um the tier twos that maybe start the world cup two weeks ahead and then the top two of like the first and second place in that come into the tier one world cup potentially and, and they go through because then you enjoy like for like because some of those games were excellent but then those teams that were so excellent in the games with teams that were similar to themselves got crucified by um the bigger tier one nations i think what was like a a, a real thing that i remember is i think italy were awful um I, I, I don't understand what happened yeah exactly i was going to use a stronger term there and I, I hold back from it um but generally did i enjoy it i didn't enjoy those down weeks i thought those were mm. anti-climax used to be something done about that and the the way that the ranking leading into the tournament mm. is something there that we really enjoyed the quarterfinals maybe it does need to be think thought about that that is a bigger weekend potentially than the semis i, I don't know I, I really, really enjoyed that quarterfinals weekend more well, than I enjoyed the semifinals. Well, everybody weekend. in rugby did that. Everybody in rugby did that. But that was done through, you know, the way that they'd done the yeah, uh, unintended consequence. Picking, uh, picking from rankings three years out that aren't relevant when it gets to the Rugby World Cup. Okay, I enjoyed the Rugby World Cup. Uh, there were pockets, as we've discussed, where it went quiet, or the, there was just too one-sided, which is a killer because you're not invested in it. Mm. And why? Is, and there will be a time because they're talking about uh, increasing it from 16 to 24 teams. They have. Inc- they have. They have. They have. So they have. So that's 
that's the big red flag for me because they're just chasing money. We've seen it in Super Rugby. It, it doesn't work. arguably killed Super Rugby, right. increasing it. Absolutely. And what will happen here is, okay, it might just get a... When you're going to Australia and the States after that, you're going to end up with stadiums that are half empty, which is, a, is the showcase of our event. Mm. It, it's That's a bad look, which is exactly what happens in Super Rugby as well. Mm. So keep it competitive. There's always going to get once you're going to get the old one-sided result but keep it super competitive mm. but uh, listen we've won the world cup and um against the odds it's just amazing i i'm just blown away by the springboks achievement and at what they did to get here and pollard coming but there's so many little stories well, it, it, it hasn't been done before so i think that speaks volumes yeah there were plots of, of, of like subplots and we've lived it in here every weekend for the past <laughs> 10 weeks haven't we you know, hey, like deciding to start our podcast, you know, a couple of weeks before the World Cup. Two, we, we've had shockers deleted the, the files. We couldn't hear what we were saying. There was clanging in the background, airplanes, dogs, and everything in between. Um, yeah, I, I did thoroughly enjoy my stuff. Uh, fantastic. And uh, wonderful stadiums. Uh, fantastic. Lo love the, uh, lo uh, you've got to love rugby supporters. They make it a real spectacle. On that, I'm going to have a bit of a moan here about the French. Uh, uh, I'll use the word disgrace. And they're, they're a disgrace to rugby at the moment. Both the supporters and and the actual institution of French rugby. Hey? I mean, you know, you've gone out your own World Cup. Okay, we understand you're disappointed today, but every every game since, the non-stop booing of officials or certain officials, every single game of players getting involved, cheapers, and then um, massive booing in the flipping final, the final, the showcase event in your own country, mm. and you, you're still sour. You're still sour. And What confuses me with that is you're not talking about a few. Oh, no, like, it's deafening. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, w like, how do you as a collective group make a decision to do that? Uh, that's, what's, that's what the biggest problem is. No, it's a culture we watch, thing. We watch Laura Shaw, yeah. eh, who for me are the best rugby fans. I've never seen anything like that. Like, they like hours before the bus arrives, jumping up and down, and just really good. But the incessant booing but of their team, our teams, our players. It, I often refer to the French press and, re and read it. And after uh, our win in the quarterfinal, there was no point of difference at all in all of their media. It was all anti the ref, anti us, anti other teams. Just it was all prior. Look, we've completely been, we've been completely been um, thrown robbed. under the bus here, robbed here. Everything, everyone's against us. But how we feel occasionally that rugby's against everybody, everybody's against us, and that's been the narrative from everybody. There's been no point of difference at all from what I've come across. And then to top it off uh, last night i mean we we could feel aggrieved about the world rugby awards i mean the players looked as if they'd a lack of time they're mm. getting boozed up and mixing with all the players they all all the springbox Slips, players looked as yeah. if they were loving it and that but in terms of the awards nothing came our way the world champion the the you know the champions of <laughs> of rugby itself at their own function and not really being acknowledged at all and it's held in monica i believe so after the French, after the France's own World Cup, and not one French rugby player, official, <laughs> coaching member attended, not the president, they all chose to snub it. You know, how many weeks ago did they get knocked out? And why? It's why did they get given the World Cup? Yeah, the, the rugby it, it chasing was, it was proposed. So, World Rugby, you did that, and the. But 
my point being, I'm moaning about the French that they are an absolute flipping disgrace from the establishment to their fans, and for players, and players are normally the good guys. So mm. they, they're they're away, they're on the they're on the field itself, mixing it physically, and um, they're the ones who play and get on with the opponents. But even those chose to snub this event. Right? I just think it's disgusting. Yeah. It's against everything that rugby stands for, in my Absolutely. view. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would have understood if maybe there's a bit of a protest, a couple of them didn't arrive, that kind of thing. But for them to make a joint, is, again, it's that group think that I just don't understand why common sense sometimes doesn't prevail. Because it's literally like shooting yourselves in the foot. You will become disliked. I know, and I like French rugby. I just, I want to breathe in. The, uh, the thing is, Andrew, it's not being reported either. So I only discovered this through accident. If you look yeah. at it across the rugby media, and that, there's there's no mention of this. So uh, anyway, it doesn't sit well. In fact, it disgusts me. Um, URC um, happened over the weekend and English Premiership. Uh, some big ones. I think Exeter won forty zip against um, South Sharks. The, the big game. The Suffer teams all went down, including <laughs> the Lions. <laughs> We were robbed. Boo. Boo. Shark, sharks are robbed by uh, to the dinner. 20 points at Leinster. No. Yeah, that, that was a robbery. <laughs> they laughed. Um, coming weekend, um, as from next week, we'll be, we'll be getting in a familiar uh, pattern of covering the, these events. And mm. uh, I think Andrew and I will be going to another game this Friday, all mm. being well. This at, Friday. At the Stoop, yeah, where um, the Hollywood Bet Sharks. <laughs> We'll call them the Sharks. Uh, take on the Ospreys of Wales, uh, based in Swansea, playing out of Harlequin Steep. Um, so, good opportunity for all, um, not only uh, Shark supporters who live around uh, London, but um, mm. Springbok supporters who uh, need something after that World Cup <laughs> mm. <laughs> to be a, a among their brethren, so uh, you know, Josh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fading badly now, ex. <laughs> and, I'm uh, not. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Maybe we should do another two hours of <laughs> of technical analysis. <laughs> what a weekend! What a tournament! Jeepers and all this, um, we've bloody done it again. <laughs> Can you believe it? I d Can I, you believe I'm it? I'm struggling to believe it. But, uh, yes, I, I believe it. Okay, Boca, go Boca. <laughs> Forever Boca. I'll see you next week, champ. Good night.